Scientists are using a video sampler to peer into the secret world of the bull trout in the flathead. Come along and see what they're finding. Hi, and welcome to the FECC Nature Journal, the podcast for everyone who loves nature. We're coming to you from the beautiful campus of Flathead Valley Community College at the foot of the Swan Mountain Range of Northwest Montana. I'm John Fraley, longtime instructor of wildlife conservation here at the college, and I also served 40 years with Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. Our producer is Colin Burkhart, and thanks to Morgan Ray, the library director, for offering the library as our podcast home. Well, today we're going to talk about all things bull trout with Sam Beret. Sam, thanks a lot for coming on. You're welcome, John. Thanks for having me. And you know, Sam, you're kind of a friend of the college, friend of the program. This is your fourth interview we've done with you, and you've come in and talked to classes and so on. So I know you're very interested in Flathead Valley Community College and passing along knowledge to, to folks out of here. And so today we're going to talk about the bull trout study you have. And very fascinating to me because when I studied bull trout, you know, decades before you you came on, you're the you're the young guy, I'm the old, old geezer. <laughs> we had to use very primitive traps to catch them and count them and so on and you're using this incredible this incredible technique tell us about this this technique you're using to count them yeah so we're using a bull trout monitoring system on Wounded Creek that's been used to study Atlantic salmon and other migratory species around the globe it's called the Vaki video weir hmm. it's made in Iceland whoa and it's a it's a computer with a swim through chamber in a video system in the chamber that gets tripped and turned on when the bull trout swims into the chamber and takes a photo and a short video of each fish. Now I'm assuming since you're you're getting measurements on these and when they're coming through and everything that it must be programmed somehow to measure the length of the fish. Does that happen automatically? Yeah, so we're getting, you know, the time of day, the speed of the fish as well as like you mentioned an estimate of the length. And we got this length estimate by looking at a number of data with fish body depth versus fish length. Hmm. And through that body depth measurement, the Vaki Video Weir computer software is estimating the length. That's fascinating. And the neat thing about this is we had to, of course, put the bull trout into traps by forcing them in there through metal weirs. And then we had to handle them and measure them and all that. And this, you don't even have to handle the fish. This is pretty darn neat and uh, a great technique. So as far as they swim through this chamber and they're directed into there with a weir, and what time of the day do they usually swim in there? So we found that most fish swim through the Vaki video weir between 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. in the evening. Okay, so we're talking about, what do you call that when they go... If they did the dawn and dusk thing, what would you call it? So, yeah, we think that's a crepuscular movement pattern. Yeah, okay. And I remember when we were catching bull trout, trapping them, that we caught most of them towards the dusk period, like you're talking about. And I told you about my one technician, Jay Lonza, who's unfortunately passed away not long after he worked with us. He uh, he had this, this psyche theory about bull trout that if you even looked at the bull trout and took them out of the water, that they'd freak out and die. And we did have... We did have some mortality on our leads. In fact, and he kept trying to get us to stop trapping him, and in fact, we did. And so, after we got a certain amount of data, but this is a, this way, it just doesn't it doesn't stress him at all, right? As far as we know. Correct. 
Didn't you even say that you thought that a little anthropomorphic, but that some of them liked being in that chamber? Yeah, so we we were concerned about, you know, affecting the fish behavior and their propensity to, to migrate upstream and run, and that would also skew our data as well. But what we found was that the fish, some fish, would actually spend time in the video weir, and we had multiple long periods of video of these fish just hanging out in the swim-through chamber and even one eating a piece of debris and spitting it back out when he realized it wasn't food. <laughs> now, I've got a theory about this. I don't think that the, the bull trout are actually directly liking being in there in, in a way. I think they're just seeing this as a, a form of cover and a form of, you know, security. Right. Right? I mean, yeah. So that could be it. But this this is really neat. And I'll bet the video, when, when you, have you looked at a lot of the video? What's it look like? Yeah, so we've looked at all the video. The, the, you know, the video looks great. We get about seven or eight seconds of film for each fish, but I have a full presentation that I gave to the American Fisheries Society Montana Chapter Conference on our YouTube channel at Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. So if you get on YouTube and search oh. bull trout, Vaki video monitoring, Sam Bouray, you'll find my 15-minute video presentation where you can view a lot of the bull trout footage as well as some aerial drone footage of the area and really get a good good handle on the uh, data and the results that we found. Fascinating. And this is Wounded Buck Creek, right? Yes, this is Wounded Buck Creek, which is a tributary to the South Fork Hungry Horse Reservoir. Yeah. And the thing people should, should understand is that these fish mature in the reservoir. They're growing to adult size in the reservoir. Then they're swimming into these tributaries to spawn. So they didn't grow this large just based on feeding in the tributary. And, so, and you know, some of the bull trout will spawn like in Woundabuck Creek, which is a tributary of Hungry Horse, and some of them will swim up into the wilderness and spawn up there, right? Some of the same population. Right, yeah. Bull trout are really unique, and they're almost like a freshwater salmon, is that they're born in these tributaries. They swim downstream from one to four years old. They live in the reservoir and get really big, similar how a salmon lives in an ocean. And then they migrate back upstream to where they were born, and then spawn again. And so the bull trout in Flathead Lake, they're spawning in the north and middle fork drainages. Of course, the south fork is cut off from Flathead. And let me give you a little quiz here, Sam, put you on the spot. How long has the south fork been cut off from the bull trout population as a whole in Flathead? I want the exact date. Well, I believe the <laughs> dam was built in 1954. Completed in 54. Completed in 54. When, so... was, when was the coffer dam completed and the last bull trout prevented from going up into the river, into the stream. So I assume it was a year or two before that? September 9th, 1951. Okay. Was the so, end of the world so for the bull trout. 1951, that, yeah. yeah. So when <laughs> 70 years the South Fork population has been cut off, but miraculously, and I think this goes to show how adaptable these fish are, mm -hmm. they managed to use the Hungry Horse Reservoir as a surrogate to Flathead Lake and now have a self-sustaining and fairly healthy population because there's no non-native species in the South Fork Basin. It's ironic, but it's true that the, the dam, we always talked about when I was working on mitigation, how the dam harmed the aquatic environment, but it did prevent at least the non-native fish from going up into the into the Hungry Horse Reservoir. And we now have a this great population of bull trout that's not threatened until somebody dumps something into Hungry Horse Yeah, Reservoir. knock on wood, that hasn't happened. <laughs> but at this point, you know, lake trout are one of the bull trout's biggest threat, the competition as well as the predation. And we do not have any lake trout in the South Fork Basin, yeah. luckily. So how large then again, could you tell me how large these bull trout that are coming through and 
try to put it in inches. I know you've got it in millimeters, but... So our length estimates were between 30 to 55 centimeters with most fish being around 40 centimeters. And that would be fish in the low 20 inch range. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because I remember actually 400 millimeters would be right around 16 inches, I think, 400 millimeters, if you're looking at millimeters. And so you, how many of these bull trout did you see come through? And, and well, let's start with that. So we ran our video weir continuously from the second week in July to late, mid, mid to late October. And we found 16 upstream mig- migrating bull trout and we counted 14 spawning reds upstream of the video weir in Wounded Buck Creek. So one of our main objectives for this study was to look at the number of fish per red ratio, which I know you looked at in your study, John. We wanted to do that because the red counts are what we use around the basin to determine the bull trout population status and monitoring. Right, and I think it's pretty fascinating what you found. You obviously have better data than we had as far as accuracy probably, but we had actually three, about three bull trout for every completed red, and you've got here. Yeah, we have 1.14 fish per red, and like I said, this is the first year of the study, so we're going to try to determine if this number is repeatable and how variable this number is over time. And what did you find going up versus coming down, and how, and why can we think of that as the mortality? So we found 16 fish moving upstream, like I said, and we found 12 moving downstream through the weir. We think that there's less fish coming downstream through natural mortality as well as potential predation on the species. Okay. And I had a couple of suggestions for you about the, you know, you, you were able to, you're running this on solar power, and you're running into a little bit of an issue late in the fall for the intensity of solar power. I would just ask you to try to develop a way to power that system, whether it's battery or what I, I mean, a generator is kind of onerous, but... It seems to me like there should be some battery combination you could use to keep, you know, monitoring it. Right? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna keep working on this and try to try to have it powered through October. That that was our goal. We got close, but we didn't we didn't quite get it this year. So these reds you're finding in Wounded Buck, you know, I'm still doing red counts, volunteering for you guys. Uh, the ones in the large tributaries, you know, we're talking about big reds. We're talking, you know, like 12 feet long, three four feet wide on average. How big are the reds in Wounded Buck Creek? Because that's a smaller stream, and it's kind of got pretty good-sized cut uh, substrate for yeah. them to move, you know? Yeah, it's got good habitat. There is big substrate in places, but there's also the, the right-sized gravel in other places. But they are smaller reds than we see in yeah. some of the bigger tributaries, which yeah. makes sense given the smaller size of fish that we saw in the bull trout data. Yeah, smaller fish also. Because when, when you go up and look in the, their cousins up in the uh, upper South Fork and so on, those are big fish up there, like in, in Little Salmon Creek and White River, and they move a lot of a lot of rock. In fact, the average bull trout moves hundreds and hundreds of pounds of gravel. Wow. And it's the a female, right, that builds the nest? Correct. And then, then the male supposedly stays behind for a while to defend. I don't know how long, days, matter of days. Are you guys noticing any of that in your in your timing? We So we do want to look at the sex ratios in the bull trout. Mm-hmm. We do have these videos, and we, we can kind of make our guesses on the sex. Yeah. And I'm determining how I want to go about this. But one thing I was thinking about was sending out a survey with multiple biologists to say, is this male or female? So yeah. we haven't got into the sex ratio aspect of the question yet. Yeah, that's one way you could possibly do it. I remember we did that with the external characteristics of hybrids, too. And, you know, it's it's... It's limited, but I guess it could help. They are hard to see externally. There, it's hard to see whether it's a male or a female. Sometimes you see them on the red; it's a lot easier. Right. Know, but when, when 
Well, Sam, I'm so happy you're working on uh, all this bull trout information, and I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks again. You're welcome, John. It's a pleasure. That's all the time we have for this episode of the FVCC Nature Journal. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fraley, and I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.